homily for the 14th Sunday in Ordinary Time. July 7, 2019, St. Mary's Church, Grand Forks. I'm holding in my hand a piece of paper filled with small print. Whenever I go on vacation, I make a list of the things that I need to take with me. There are things I need as a priest, like supplies for the days on which I will offer Mass privately. Then there are personal items, toiletries, printouts of other arrangements. The list goes on, and I won't bore you with it any longer. Reflecting on today's Gospel, I can't help but feel like even though I try to live very simply, I might be overdoing it. Carry no money bag, no sack, no sandals. Jesus told his disciples. How on earth could a wallet or a purse be extravagant, not to mention shoes? Back then, as well as now, those items were among one's bare necessities. But these 72 disciples of Jesus spoke just as loudly with their conduct and appearance as they did with their words. Certainly, people would see that these folks relied heavily on God's providence instead of their own resources. If they had traveled with all sorts of provisions, those who witnessed them could say, oh well, if their little adventure doesn't work out, they have something else to fall back on. But no one could write them off that easily. This cast of 72 disciples dove into the pool headfirst. The Lord sent them as lambs in the midst of wolves, but they were far from powerless. In a supreme act of faith, they left their suitcases behind, but possessed something far more valuable. If these disciples had anything written down, it could well have been the message Jesus sent with them. The kingdom of God is at hand for you. I wonder if they ever asked themselves if that sentence was complete enough. We tend to look for the perfect persuasive argument. Just the right thing to say that will change people's hearts or bring them around to our side. At what point do we trust that God himself will work on those to whom we minister? One important characteristic of this message is that the kingdom is not something we escape, despite our ignorance. Whether one believes in Jesus or not, his kingdom is at hand for us now, and will affect us. In, in addition to preaching this one-sentence homily, Jesus commissioned them to back it up by curing the sick in the places where they were welcomed. I'm always amazed by how routine Jesus makes that sound. I'm not saying Jesus considered curing the sick to be a routine act. What I'm saying is that Jesus so confidently expected his disciples to be able to do this. Here's where our lack of faith can really impede us in praying for healing. Some of us might say, either the doctors can help the sick or they can't, and that's that. Or, it feels silly to pray for healing, like I'm making a spectacle of myself. Since we know that even the worst diseases are not beyond God's reach, why should his power surprise us? Are we sometimes maybe closing doors that God would have us open? Jesus instructed the 72 to wish peace upon a household as they pulled into each town, and to be satisfied with the hospitality they received by eating and drinking what they set before them. It would be improper for the Lord's followers to move about like a bunch of opportunists, 
drifting one from one place to the next. Think of it as someone finding a Super 8 near the city limits, and two days later relocating to the Ritz-Carlton downtown. Yes, it's an upgrade, but if the Super 8 manager did a fine job, why risk insulting him? Besides, such behavior would give the appearance of caring for one's own comfort above all else. The Gospel today contains a happy, even exuberant ending. Master, the 72 tell Jesus, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Those last three words are the key. In the name of Christ, the sick found healing, and those possessed by evil spirits were liberated. In his name, good things happened. And none of them could have taken place unless the 72 were willing to let Christ work through them. It's helpful to imagine this group of disciples and try to discern what was going through their minds. Do you really think these folks were graduate students in theology, writing doctoral dissertations? Do you think all 72 of these people applied for the job? Do you think that all of them knew what they were in for when they started? Don't you think some of them were inclined to say no when Jesus first chose them? I can well picture that they were much like us, except that they stepped forward when Jesus approached them. They were wrapped up in love of Christ and were at his service. We can draw a clear parallel to our own experience in the church. Parishes, large and small, have ministerial needs, whether it be greeters and ushers, council members, lectors, extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion, or teachers of religious education. Many folks in this parish have come forward to do those very things, and we are grateful to God for them. But there are others, here right now, who are receiving this invitation from Christ anew. The harvest is great, Jesus says in another place, but the laborers are few. There are a great many Christians, aren't there, who desire only to blend into the scenery, and who will not make waves. Jesus needs more Christians who will rock the boat. I appreciate every one of you who has engaged in stewardship of time and talent in our community. Some of you have been at it for decades. But the Lord is and continues to call a new group of 72, a new generation to provide for the community's needs. Please hear and answer his call. Lastly, I want to share with you something that a priest in New York City, Father Michael Judge, uh, would say at the beginning of each day. Father Judge served as a fire department chaplain and died at the World Trade Center during the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks. He composed this prayer, which reminds me of the 72 disciples in today's gospel. He would say, as he first arose each morning, Lord, Take me where you want me to go. Let me meet whom you want me to meet. Tell me what you want me to say. And then keep me out of your way. Amen.